Let's take our Bibles, turn to Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1. I'd like to spend just a little bit of time this afternoon uh, around the world today, and I made mention of it this morning, even though we did not preach specifically on this subject matter. I wanted to do a little bit of teaching on it this afternoon about this being Palm Sunday and uh, about the day of the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Christ coming into Jerusalem. Can you imagine what that would be like um, as far as lining those streets and hearing the multitudes gathered on either side uh, to be able to welcome the Lord Jesus Christ uh, coming into the city? And so I want to be able to teach a little bit, be able to give a context of that when we begin looking at Palm Sunday, what, why was it significant and uh, what were their motives and what were they looking for uh, on that day, okay? And so you say, well, why are you starting in Acts chapter 1? Because I want you to see that even the disciples um, even had a slight misunderstanding at this point on why the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was here on the earth and what his purpose was. And so we see in Acts chapter number 1, and just bear with me as we look through these verses, in verse number 6, Acts chapter 1, verse number 6, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. There was a desire in the hearts of not just the disciples, but really in the hearts of the nation of Israel for a physical kingdom to be established here on this earth. You say, well, why would they have that? Because the prophecies had been giving, given all the way through the Old Testament that a Messiah would come, that there would be a kingdom set up. They talked about of the lineage of David, um, that there would arise a, a branch, a rod, several different titles given to the Lord Jesus Christ to be able to sit upon the throne. And so then when the Lord Jesus Christ comes, they were missing a very important part. Now, we believe, according to the scriptures, that Jesus fulfilled and is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the anointed and the promised one. But for the physical nation of Israel at the time that the Lord Jesus Christ came, they were under the thumb and the rule of the Roman Empire. I'll, I'll just be honest with you, if, if I was uh, under the rule of a foreign power, I would be looking for a king to be able to come and to be able to set up his kingdom and to be able to free us from that physical oppression that we were under. When we get to the beginning of Jesus' life, okay, 
Remember when the wise men came and they were asking, okay, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Okay, they didn't come asking, where is this Messiah? Where is this Christ? They're asking, where is this one that is born king of the Jews? Why do you think that Herod would go to so much trouble to be able to track down every baby boy at two years of age or younger to be able to, and and he put out the, the decree that they would kill every baby boy up to the age of two? because he was not going to be threatened and he was ruling over that territory and he said, we're not going to have another king be born. Now you talk about insecurity, okay? Now think about this, the insecurity that you're worried about a newborn baby, okay? And you have to go and literally um, kill and I'm guessing thousands of babies that are being born in this two-year period, but he's trying to eliminate this one who would come that was promised to be able to sit upon the throne of David, okay? So then Jesus, for uh, 18 years, we don't have anything recorded of his ministry. We see him at 12 years of age as he's there in the temple and he's teaching, he's answering questions. You know the story. In fact, his parents lose him. How many here has ever lost a 12-year-old? How many want to lose a 12-year-old? Okay, anyway, <laughs> you don't even have it. You want to lose a 12-year-old. She's 13 now. You can't get rid of your sister. <laughs> but... We want to, but they lose a 12-year-old and they go a day's journey, but then realize they just thought he was traveling with other of the family. And then they head back to Jerusalem. What took a day's journey took three days to be able to find him. And they end up in the temple there. He's sitting in the midst of all these doctors and educated people. And he's answering questions saying, I must be about my father's business. At that point, we don't have anything recorded of what took place from 12 years of age all the way up to 30 when we see him come out by the Jordan River and John the Baptist says in John 1, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So for the next three and a half years, Jesus has his public ministry that he is, and we could name things, every one of us probably named things that Jesus accomplished during that time, okay? Pretty big deal to walk on water, isn't it? Okay, pretty big deal to be able to to heal a blind man. What about that? Pretty big deal to be able to heal the lame that's been there beside the pool of Bethesda and uh, says, take up your bread and walk. Pretty big deal when 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 they tear open the roof and four men let a man down on a bed and he says, thy faith hath made thee whole. And he gets up and, and walks. Pretty big deal to, to walk up to a casket, okay, and uh, be able to say, hold on, and raise him from the dead. Pretty big deal, I mean, for a guy that's been dead four days that he walks up with Lazarus there and says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, they tell him to roll away the stone. Here comes Lazarus out of the grave. Pretty big deal. So you have these multitudes, not just that they're seeing these miracles, But he's also saying, hey, thy sins be forgiven you. So here's a man (coughs) that is saying and healing everybody that he comes in contact with, messes up every funeral that he attends, but then is also saying, 
um, thy sins be forgiven. And he asked this, he said, well, is it easier to say thy sins be forgiven or take up thy bed and walk? I mean, to the power of God, which one's harder? Okay, which one's harder for him to be able to continue on, heal the blind, be able to heal the sick and and every manner of disease. You literally have a time that a man walks up to him and he spits in the ground. Jesus does, makes it into mud and applies it to the eyes of the man, tells him to go wash in the pool and he's able to see. I did offer that recently when I was over visiting Larry. He was having some problems with his eyes and uh, from all that. And I said, I did read in the Bible. And I said, this worked for Jesus. And I said, I'm, I'm willing to try this. And uh, that's not standard medical practice, is it, Ruthie? It isn't standard <laughs> medical practice. But I said, I'm willing to go out and get some dirt and I'll spit in it. And I said, I'll apply it to your eyes. And I said, just be able to see if that would work. He didn't want to try that. I don't understand. I'm just trying to be like Jesus. So here's this man for three and a half years. If it's not enough that he is healing every disease and raising the dead, that now he has thousands that are seated in front of him, and they watch him take five loaves and two small fishes, and he blessed it and break it and feeds everyone that's sitting there, and there's enough to fill 12 baskets of leftovers. So here's this man. He doesn't just do that once. But now, a little bit later, there's 4,000 that's there. It's amazing, less number, but it takes more food. And he blessed it and break it and is enough to be able to feed all of them. And then he's one to be able to walk on water, but then they wake him up from his nap as he's there in the, the hinder part of the boat. And he's able to step up and say, peace be still. And the winds obey his voice. Can I say if I was around Jesus, I'd be saying... There's something about this one. If I'm following him, if I'm listening, I mean, the Bible says that it was published throughout the cities of everything Jesus was doing and from the regions around, they're bringing their sick and their, their, their halt and their lame and allowing Jesus. He has enough power that a lady with an issue of blood for 12 years can simply reach through the throng of people because of the press of the people, be able to reach through and just touch the hem of his garment, and she's healed. There's that much power in this person that's walking upon the face of the earth. He's given the prophecy that if you destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up again. He's not talking about the physical temple. He was talking about his body. I believe this would be someone, even though the religious crowd was doing everything that they could do, isn't it amazing this person doing so much good and helping so many people that the religious crowd wanted to get rid of him? And I thought, boy, things haven't changed much today. The, the quote-unquote religious crowd, listen, they're not going to want a truly Bible believer in Jesus follower. And so we understand this is the history and the context that this is set in. And then they find out Jesus has set his face towards Jerusalem. We mentioned that and made reference to it this morning in Luke chapter number 9. And then he sends the disciples ahead. You know he, he rides upon a colt and on this triumphant entry, the citizens of Jerusalem and of Israel 
They're not seeing their spiritual need, but they're seeing their physical need. They're saying, okay, we have a Roman Empire that is oppressing us. And the Bible tells us in John chapter 1 that Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. Do you know why that is? Is because they were looking for a physical Savior and not a spiritual Savior. In fact, we also have it at the beginning of Jesus' life when you have Anna, who is working faithfully in the temple, and she's waiting to be able to see the Christ, to be able to see the Messiah that she actually published after she saw Jesus for all that we're looking for deliverance in Jerusalem. It's not a physical deliverance that is coming, but it is a spiritual deliverance. And may I remind us, and we don't have the time this afternoon to be able to go through the entire history of it, but yet corporately, as a nation of Israel, they rejected Jesus as the Messiah. He came unto his own, his own received him not, but yet they rejected him as a spiritual savior. But here we have Palm Sunday, and they are ready to be able to accept him as a physical savior. Turn back with me to Luke chapter number 19. Luke chapter number 19 we have one of the accounts of the Lord Jesus Christ coming into Jerusalem. In Luke chapter number 19, he sends two of the disciples, according to verse 29, to go in to be able to, into the village, to be able to find this colt that never a man sat upon. That's verse number 30. They're going to be asked, why do you loose him? And they're going to say, because the Lord, according to verse 31, hath need of him. And so that took place starting in verse number 33. Verse 34 says, and they said, the Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus and they cast their garments upon the colt and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. Let me ask you something. This next phrase, were they rejoicing with a loud voice because their Savior had come? No, look what the Bible says. Rejoiced with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen which if this man's riding in and I was able to experience all that, listen, I'd be rejoicing too, especially if now he's coming into the city and I'm expecting him to be able to set up a kingdom. Hey, I've seen him raise the dead. Herod's no match for him. I've seen someone just touch the hem of his garment and she was healed. And listen, this religious crowd is no match for him. All these Roman emperors and, and these legions and all the soldiers around, listen, no match for him. Here's what they were saying in verse number 38, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. 
And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Set the stage as he's riding through town. Understanding, and the Bible says that there were palm branches, that's why it's called Palm Sunday, that they were literally taking their jackets off. Imagine how much they respected this man that was riding on the colt. There's not many people I'm taking my jacket off so that they can ride on a donkey and step on my clothes. But yet they're waving palm branches and they're saying, Hosanna and blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. And it's so loud that even the religious crowd is saying, hey, would you rebuke them for what's going on right now? They're taking their jackets off, laying it down in the road. They're waving their palm branches. Imagine the spectacle that is being made that's fit for a king to be able to ride into his city. But can I say this? That's not who was riding in at that moment. You see, here's where the disappointment came. You had an entire society that was looking for a physical establishment of a kingdom to be able to rule and reign over them. But yet then they found out in the next couple days, I'm not here to set up a kingdom. But I'm here to be able to die on a cross. Can you imagine what takes place in the hearts and the minds of the people of Jerusalem? But then let's bring it a little bit closer into the hearts and the minds of the disciples over the next few days. They've just seen this. Now, they're probably thinking, hey, they've already been asked. There's some of them already been asking and saying, hey, would you grant that I can sit on the right hand in your kingdom and he can sit on the left hand in the kingdom? He said, those aren't for me to give. You're not at, you don't know what you're asking right here. And you have this entire society that is looking to one man to be able to come and to be able to set up his earthly kingdom and to be able to rule and reign, and to be able to provide physical deliverance. What can I say? They had already rejected him. They were trying to accept him as king instead of accepting him as the Messiah and the chosen one. The Bible says, I already quoted it, that came unto his own, his own received him not. So Jesus said, and we read the verse this morning, I've got sheep of another fold I need to bring in. Why aren't you thankful that the gospel went to the Gentiles? I don't know how many here are, would, would be an Orthodox Jew, and that's your lineage, but I praise the Lord for you. You're part of God's chosen people, and I, I believe that 100%. But corporately, guess what? They rejected Christ as the Messiah. But because of that, it opened up the window of opportunity for the gospel not just to stay there with the Jews, but for it to be sent around the world. And we see that throughout the book of Acts that, listen, the gospel was there in Jerusalem and God brought persecution there and scattered the believers across the region to the point that Paul was saved and he was called an apostle to the Gentiles. And his emphasis, now listen, he still gave the gospel to every person he came in contact with. But he didn't just spend his time in Jerusalem or in the nation of Israel, but he said, we're going to the regions beyond and for God to be able to do that. I found out today, you say, well, pastor, this all took place a couple thousand years ago. Yes, 
And I believe it would take place today that people are looking for a physical savior. Can I bring a little bit of politics into it? You know what was being looked for a little over four years ago? They were looking for a physical savior. Well, guess what? And, and, and listen, you take, take it for what you want. Trump's not my savior. He's not. Jesus is. But it's amazing what would take place. You say, oh, pastor, you shouldn't say something. No, it's 100% true. He's not my savior. Jesus is my savior. Okay? And by the way, this world's not my home. I'm just a passing through. I've got heaven that's waiting for me, okay? So we do have something better than just this world that's waiting for us. Let me move on now that I've made half of you mad right now. How dare you say that? Hey, I'm going I'm to be a Jesus follower, okay? But they were looking, because of the conditions they were in, they were looking for a physical deliverance instead of realizing their spiritual need. And can I remind us of this, that Jesus is more interested right now in fulfilling your spiritual need than he is in your physical need. Your spiritual need. You say, well, I need this and I need that. And I, yes, I understand there's physical need. But don't you know that your heavenly Father in heaven knoweth that ye have need of these things? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We fall into the same trap today that they did 2,000 years ago, looking at Palm Sunday, saying, hey, I want Jesus, but I want him to be king instead of being Savior. And Jesus, if you can just fulfill every need that I have, I'll take care of everything else. And even the disciples, listen, it was still in their heart and minds. They were there on the day. But listen, they weren't there when he rose from the dead. They weren't there. And, and listen, I, I don't believe you and I would be there either. This guy's going to raise from the dead. Now listen, he had gone through and he had raised people from the dead. He had raised them up. They walked home that day and he's telling them in three days, I'm going to raise from the dead. Not a one of them were standing there saying, all right, Lord, I'm waiting for you. You said three days. Three days. They were more interested in, can you set up an earthly kingdom here and be able to deliver us physically than they were about, hey, can you deliver us spiritually? And so we, we have Palm Sunday about Jesus riding into Jerusalem. But may I say this, their intentions were so misapplied because they were looking for an earthly kingdom to be established at that point. Now, can I say this? That day is coming. The day is coming. But right now, let me remind us, Jesus is not here to set up an earthly kingdom kingdom to be able to rule and reign that's not taking place right now he's not establishing a physical people right now but you know what he is doing he's establishing a spiritual people a spiritual people you see we get god's intentions and motives and purpose and plans all mixed up in our lives if we're not rightly dividing the word of truth they're saying hey deliver me uh, physically he's saying but i want to deliver you spiritually my time hasn't yet come now listen they had it right but the timing was off and it's a little over two thousand years off you say, what's the exact timeline? I don't know. But I do know that there's coming a day 
that this spiritual people is going to be complete. The spiritual body of Christ called the church is going to be completed and we're going to be raptured out of here. And guess what? Then Jesus is going to come back and set foot right here in the same place and set up his earthly kingdom. And he's going to walk in, sit down on that throne and say, told you I'd be back. Okay, that's just ad-lib, okay? He's not really going to say that. That's just, that's just ad-lib. That's Peter Chamberlain theology that he's going to sit down and say, told you I'd be back. We know that's coming. So let me encourage us with this. We're not looking for a physical king in our lives right now. We have a savior. And you will not allow him to be your king until first you've allowed him to be your savior. It's our spiritual life first. You say, well, is there nothing to do with the kingdom then right now? No, there is no kingdom being set up right now upon this earth. But let me show you what Jesus has done for us. Turn to Colossians chapter number one. Colossians chapter number one. Bible says in verse number nine, Colossians one, he said, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness given thanks unto the father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light who hath delivered us look at this from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son guess what we're already in the kingdom of the lord he's already at the moment of salvation we're already translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Now, there is going to be a physical kingdom that's set up. Don't misunderstand me. Right now, we're not lining the streets with palm branches and putting our clothing on the ground to be able to welcome Jesus riding in on a colt. But we are accepting him into our lives as Lord and Savior. Okay, now let me remind us of this, and I already said this, the Jewish nation rejected the Messiah. Does that mean they can't be saved today? No. But I did find this out after they rejected him, that there's less and less that are turned into the Messiah, okay? But it's also what Jesus said. He didn't say rule them out, but he said preach the gospel to every creature, every creature. They may have rejected him as Messiah, and as much as you may say, oh, they shouldn't have rejected him. I wonder how many times a day we reject him as Lord in our lives. Well, I wish I was alive then. I would have, I would have been able to be there on the side of the road, and I would have welcomed him in. Listen, He's not concerned about you welcoming him in as the king of Israel today. That's going to take place whether they welcome him or not. He's showing up and sitting on the throne. 
But what he is desiring of us is not to welcome him as an earthly king, but for him to be the Lord and Savior of our lives. And instead of him seated upon the throne of Jerusalem today, I wonder if he's seated upon the throne of your heart. I wonder if we could say, yes, spiritually, I've had this time. And listen, it is a rejoicing time as Jesus was coming in. They wanted him on the throne. And I thought, Lord, I I wonder if we'd be as rejoicing as much to be able to welcome him in and allow him to sit upon the throne of our hearts. That maybe would give up things that would maybe be important to us. I mean, taking off our, our, our jackets and our cloaks and cutting down palm, palm branches and recognizing who Jesus is. Now listen, they recognized him as king, but the timing was off. There's coming a day he's riding in and he's going to sit on the throne. But he was coming as a savior before he ever came as a physical king. Now they just, they just had their timing off. One of these days it's going to happen. But listen, I want to encourage us with this fact that even though they may have misunderstood what was taking place, and it's amazing, John 1, when he said that he went unto his own and his own received him not, but yet by the end of it, here they are trying to receive him as a physical king. But that's not why he came. According to Luke 19, he came to seek and to save those that are lost. (coughs) In other words, I want to remind us this morning that you have a spiritual need. That's a whole lot more important than a physical need. And you say, well, I'm, I'm hungry, and I get that. I need clothes, and I get that. But you know, the most well-dressed person and the most well-fed person can die without Christ and be eternally separated from God. So maybe instead of us always trying to have the physical deliverance, maybe we'd be emphasizing and going after the spiritual deliverance. And what is it in your hearts and life that you're saying, Jesus, I need you to fulfill this as an earthly king when Jesus is saying, but that's not my time right now. I'm here to take care of your spiritual need. Well, doesn't Jesus care about the poor? Yes, but Jesus even said this, the poor you'll have with you always. Take care of the spiritual. Take care of why he came, and we need to keep the focus on, listen, preaching the gospel to every creature and the reason that the Lord Jesus Christ came, let's make sure we get the gospel to him. Because just as he's translated me from the power of darkness into the kingdom of light, guess what? He can do that to every person we come in contact with. And he's willing and he's able to be able to do that. And so that's, that's some of it. That, that's not the whole thing behind Palm Sunday. But they misunderstood why he was coming into to Jerusalem. Instead of a throne, he took a cross. But that's not what they wanted to give to him until they realized he's not taking the throne right now. Well, then they said, give him the cross. Oh, little did they know. That was his plan all along. If they would have just read the scriptures, they would have known. We're giving him a cross, yes, just to fulfill prophecy. Cursed be everyone that hangeth on a tree. Oh, well, we want to crucify him. That's why he came. And God just allowed them. They thought it was their idea. And Jesus said, that's why I came. This is why I came. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? 
That's why we sing a song. We've sang it for both Sundays in a row now, Lead Me to Calvary, that starts off with this, King of my life, I crown thee now. Not the King of Israel, not yet. He's coming. He's coming. Don't worry. I believe he's coming. But right now, it's King of your life. Is that true? Or maybe there's a little area that we're saying, oh, God, you just sit off to the side over here. I'll take care of this. You know the one bumper sticker my dad always hated? And boy, he reminded us of it all the time. Was that bumper sticker that said, God is my co-pilot? Oh, he'd, he'd tear that thing up. He'd tear it up. If he saw it, and he wouldn't check church parking lots or something before he walked in, he said, that's just ridiculous. You need to get out of the pilot seat and just let him have full control. And he said, we need to be sitting in the back and let him pilot in our life anyway. Let him take care of it. Aren't you thankful that Jesus came into our lives as a Savior? Because that meets more of an eternal need in our lives than just a physical king. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the word of God. Thank you that it's true. Lord, so many times we can look at the nation of Israel and say they had no idea what they were rejecting. But Lord, I believe in our lives on a regular basis, Lord, we have no idea who we're rejecting when he desires to be the King of kings and Lord of lords in our lives and seat upon the throne of our hearts. So Lord, I pray that we would surrender to you absolute control, unreserved control of our lives to be able to live for you. May we submit to you, may we obey you, Lord, may it be a great Palm Sunday in our lives as we rejoice that he came as our Savior so that he can be our King. Thank you for the scriptures making it so plain and clear to us now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.